Support for Petri Dish is made possible by UT Health San Antonio, committed to transforming the health of the community through a team that tackles problems from every angle, doing everything it takes to bring each patient the best possible outcomes. From teaching tomorrow's healthcare leaders to translating research into new treatments, UT Health San Antonio strives to make lives better. Learn more at everythingittakes.org. Hello, everyone. It's Bonnie again, and we've been working hard on this upcoming special on kids and mental health and rural mental health in particular, um, access to mental health care and mental health parity, and we'll be dropping it soon. But in the meantime, I guest hosted an episode of The Source, TPR's daily call-in show, on kids and mental health, which is, according to the experts we talked to, a crisis. Right now, I have a teen, and this is a subject that matters to me deeply. So we thought we'd share it with you, even though it's not our typical, you know, highly produced podcast. There is a ton of good information in there from the experts, and the callers asked really thoughtful questions. So, you know, I hope you'll give it a listen as you wait for our next show. Thank you so much. Welcome to The Source. I'm Buddy Petrie in for David Martin Davies. And today, the kids are not all right. A CDC analysis released earlier this year found that in 2021, uh, in the second year of the pandemic, more than 37 percent of high school students reported they experienced poor mental health during the COVID-19 pandemic, and 44% reported they persistently felt sad or hopeless during the year. Now, before the pandemic, mental health was already getting worse among high school students, according to previous studies by the CDC. So we're going to talk about that right now, and we're joined now by three people who've dedicated their lives to improving the quality of kids' lives. First, Dr. Laurel Williams is medical director of the Consortium's T-Chat. That's uh, the Texas, uh, I'll I'll get her to give the whole title when she gets on. Uh, But T-Chat is the Texas Child Health Access through Telemedicine Program. It's a telemental health program for schools that the governor would like to see in every district that wants it by next fall. She's also a professor of psychiatry at Baylor and the Texas Children's Hospital. We are also joined by Rena Partwala, who is the clinical director for TCHAT based out of UT Health San Antonio, which provides the telehealth service to a big chunk of South Texas. And we're also joined by Josette Saxton from Texans Care for Children. She is a child advocate and a policy expert who can talk to us about solutions. And of course, We'd like to hear from you. What are your thoughts, concerns, experiences, questions, and suggestions for this expert panel? Give us a call now at 833-877-8255. That's 833-877-8255, uh, TPR Talk. And you can tweet us at uh, TPR Source. So let's get right to it right now. I want to start with Josette uh, from Texans Care for Children. You wrote a policy brief. It's really an excellent read, but you describe uh, the situation in Texas as far as children's mental health goes as a crisis. Um, Is it a crisis? 
and what is the crisis? Yeah, thank you. Um, yes, it's definitely a crisis. Um, if you look at the numbers um, that you referenced earlier that are coming out from CDC and even some of the numbers that we're getting in um, from Texas youth about their mental health, the numbers were um, of mental health concerns that kids were experiencing in Texas was high before the pandemic, and they really have just gone up. And then also hearing from those um, people People in the community that are working with kids, um, our schools, our mental health providers, I mean, even parents, I mean, they're ringing the alarm, too. Um, just earlier this week, I was talking with some folks who work in the community mental health um, world that are actually out there and providing direct services to kids and families, and they're saying that they can't remember seeing such a huge influx of need um, in terms of not only the number of kids and families that are coming in, but also in the growing intensity of the mental health needs that they're presenting them with. Describe uh, the mental health concerns that kids are experiencing right now. Oh, actually, that is probably a question that is um, probably Laurel. better left <laughs> yes. to. Yes. Yeah. Um, so uh, we have a real problem with access to mental health services for kids in particular um, all over the country, but in Texas, um, whether it be a shortage of providers or insurance concerns. Uh, where are we on that in Texas? Yeah, I, I think we've definitely have done a better job um, in re in recent years about more attention being put into increasing access to at least some services um, for kids who might be struggling with mental health concerns. Um, but like you said, it's it, when there are challenges um, with health insurance. Or or challenges with, let's say, a community mental health provider not being able to have enough staff to provide, you know, timely care or to provide the right type of care that a family might need. I think it's real important um, to think that it's not every child is alike and they are not little adults. So when a child has a mental health concern, it's important that there are services and supports that actually meet their need, which includes working with the family. And that's something that, you know, usually our mental health providers or professionals that are working with adults don't always have to do. But if you're working with kids, you need to make sure that you're not only thinking about treating a child who might have a mental health dis um, diagnosis, but also working with the family. And then also many times, too, for kids that are, have some significant challenges, it also involves working with the school. It also involves sometimes even working with the juvenile justice department um, when some of those behaviors that really stem from um, an underlying mental health concern, you know, get kids will find themselves, you know, sort of coming into contact with law enforcement. And so, again, it's important that, you know, we we not only provide families with access to mental health services, but we need to provide them with the right types of services and early as possible so that they aren't 
you know, getting to the point where, like I said, they might come into contact with law enforcement. All right, let's talk about those services. First, though, you're listening to The Source, and you can join this conversation. Um, You know, let's work this out together. 833-TPR-TALK. Okay, so Dr. Laurel Williams is with uh, Texas Child Mental Health uh, Care Consortium, and that is um, the organization that provides TCHAT uh, to schools across the state, and the governor would like to see it in every school that wants it by next fall. But Dr. Williams got a shout out earlier um, in the show uh, as we were talking about the kinds of issues teens and kids younger are experiencing um, post-pandemic. So tell me what's what's going on out there. Yes, thank you for allowing me to come today. It's nice to hear you and talk to everybody. Um, so there is definitely a crisis, as your previous person mentioned. We've only seen worsening uh, symptoms of depression, anxiety amongst youth. And we actually had a survey that was done in the nationwide looking at uh, adolescents. And what they found was 30% of adolescents since the pandemic started are drinking more. are using more drugs, 44% reporting depression symptoms, and up to close to 20% have considered suicide at one point. These are all sort of touch points that tell me that we are in crisis. And so the Texas Child Health Access Through Telemedicine Program, which is currently in approximately, uh, we're covering before the new ARPA funding came into being, we are about in 40% of schools across the state. We are working as the governor's asked us to, to try to be in as many school districts as want the service. Um, But we are seeing similar things with the referrals. What are they coming into TCHAT for? Primarily, there's concerns that either teachers, family, or the students themselves are, are saying they're concerned about depression, concerned about anxiety, concerned about attention and focus, as well as unfortunately concerned about suicidal or self-injurious thoughts or behaviors. So we are definitely mirroring what that data at the national level is telling us in Texas. So tell us how TCHAT works. So TCHAT is a telehealth service, and that's one of the things that is was happening before the pandemic, but not in any kind of sufficient way. And that was part of the purpose of the consortium, was to have more ability to get to the people that needed the services. Again, a lot of our services are very concentrated in urban areas. And as we all know, Texas is a very large state. So with the pandemic, this was sort of accelerated the pace of telehealth services. And so now, for families, this can kind of help with the equity sort of issue is that if you um, need to see a provider, you can have this potential appointment with a, um, you know, board certified physician or a board sort of certified therapist um, and the comfort of a telehealth visit either on the school campus in a confidential space or if families don't feel comfortable, they could do the confidential appointment um, at home as long as a parent or legal guardian is present. So this way, it kind of helps cut down on all the sort of red tape that it can happen for young people and their families when they're trying to get a a mental health service. So it's a telehealth service, and it's um, designed to kind of help get to students earlier to that point of your council person saying, we want to get there before it's a crisis. So, So this happens in schools, right? So elementary school, junior high, high school, um, a teacher notices a problem, then what? So again, if a teacher notices a problem, then they can um, let the school counselor know, and then the school counselor will reach out to a parent. One thing we want to be really clear about with TCHAT is we never see young people without their parents or legal guardians in presence and involvement. It's vital and essential to the earlier caller or earlier person's point. We're not going to help children get better if we're not involving their families. So the family first finds out that TCHAT could be a resource for them, and if the family agrees that they'd like to have that resource, 
then our team will reach out and schedule that appointment via telehealth. And then they can, again, either have the appointment on campus for the telehealth appointment, or they can have it in the comfort and, uh, of their family's home. Okay. Any questions uh, from you out there in uh, listener land? Give us a call, 833-TPR-TALK. Um, tweet us at the source or TPR source, that is, or send an email at the source at tpr.org. Okay, boots on the ground, Rena Partawala, um, clinical director of the Texas Child Health Access Through Telemedicine, uh, TCHAT, which we're talking about. Um, Rena, what is this like for uh, providers and kids? Yeah, so TCHAT, I think, is a really great opportunity for us as providers um, to really access all the students um, in our partnering school districts. I honestly, I feel like we often get to be acting in a humanitarian role. I'm also one of the providers for our program. Um, and we, I think we've never quite had this kind of access to kids in such a wrap around care manner. We have, you know, I'm a medication management provider. And as a medication management provider, I have a counselor or therapist I work directly with to manage this child. You know, we work directly with the school counselor who's working with the teacher. We're working with the parents as well. There's just such an amazing opportunity for us to really wrap care around these kids um, in, a, in a very different way than I think um, that we generally do in regular clinics. So um, I think kids are really getting the care they need and deserve, um, and we're able to provide it. And um, that works out great for, for everyone involved. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so what are your experiences with mental health services for your kids? Uh, mine have been, you know, just as difficult as everybody else's. So let's talk about it. What mental health services would you like to see funded by the Texas legislature? And if you're a school counselor, what is your view of mental health care access? G- give us a call at 833-TPR-TALK. That's 833-877-8255. You can tweet us at TPR Source or email us at thesource at tpr.org. Support for the Petri Dish Podcast comes from Dr. Lisa Ochoa and the SAVE Clinic, providing comprehensive vascular care with a team of three surgeons at seven locations. Office vascular circulation screenings and amputation prevention services at thesaveclinic.com. You are listening to The Source. I'm Bonnie Petrie, in for David Martin-Davies, and we're talking about kids and mental health. Um, We're joined by Dr. Laurel Williams, professor of psychiatry at Baylor College of Medicine and medical director at the Centralized Operation Support Hub, which supports the Texas Child Mental Health Care Consortium, uh, Rena Partawala, clinical director of the Texas Child Health Access Through Telemedicine, TCHAT based out of UT Health San Antonio, and Josette Saxton, uh, Director of Mental Health Policy at Texans Care for Children. And you, give us a call at 833-TPR-TALK. That's 833-877-8255. And I'd like to take a call right now. Jane is on the phone. Um, What's on your mind, Jane? Hello. I love your show. Um, I just wanted to say I'm a paramedic here in Texas, and mental health is a huge crisis, not just for kids, but for adults as well. And mentally ill kids grow into mentally ill adult, adults, I'm sorry, with maladaptive behaviors. But although the intervention in schools is great, it's really more of like a multifaceted problem within the families, at home, the socioeconomic status, the mental status of the parents. 
sometimes the families are struggling so hard, you know, they want to help their children and they just don't have the capacity, emotional, financial, or, you know, time-wise to put that much of an effort. It's like a bigger problem than just the child. I would love to see programs that helped entire families to get to the root of the problem, you know, for, for sure, children's for sure, mental yeah. health. Josette, that's something you've talked about. Can you uh, elaborate on your thoughts on that? Yes, um, I completely agree with that. I think one of the challenges, you know, with some of our state responses to improving access to mental health services for kids is taking a more narrow view of just looking at the child or at one particular service. Um, I really love the analogy of the villagers who keep finding babies floating down the river um, and, you know, of course, there is a focus on pulling the babies out of the river. But when the babies keep coming, somebody really needs to go up the river and figure out how do we, how are we going to stop the babies from getting in the river in the first place? And I think those are the points that I think Jane just mentioned is what is, what are some of those things that are driving um, or exacerbating the mental health concerns of our kids? And what can we do um, before, you know, the babies are even falling in the water? And a lot of those interventions, um, which I think of as being mental health prevention or mental health promotion, they don't look anything like, I think, what we typically think of a mental health service. Like, for example, um, I think our schools play a really important role, not only in, you know, working with T-Chat to be able to pull the babies out of the river, so to say, but also in doing things in school that help to protect our kids from ever falling in the river in the first place. And that can look like taking intentional steps to make kids feel safe and supported when they're in school. And I know, you know, there's um, that and that's not just physical safety. It's really about an emotional safety. Do they feel like they belong? Do they feel like they matter, you know, and are connected to the to their schoolmates, to their teacher, to their coach? Um, those are huge protective factors um, for for kids who might already have a mental health concern or might be at risk of developing one, but that concern won't develop further if they are surrounded with additional supports in the school. I also want to say other things schools can do are things like helping kids build coping skills and resiliency skills, helping them learn how to manage, you know, things like when they're frustrated or disappointed um, in ways that are healthy um, instead of, you know, as Dr. Williams said, the, you know, the uptick in substance use. Um, there are things that even before we need to get to mental health treatment, we as a state can put um, investments in to help get those kids from falling in the river. One of the things that I want to mention, too, is, um, again, it was wonderful that our legislature took it really is this approach about bringing T-Chat in here um, to work with the schools and to provide that connection um, for parents to then be able to not only get their to have their child be treated through the T-Chat services, but when kids or families need ongoing services, to then look and see, okay, what else is in the community that is able to continue providing services or to provide additional services that a family might need that aren't available through T-Chat. Um, and I think those are two areas where the state really, you know, I think is the next step our Texas legislature needs to do. 
right with all the conversations around um, schools and student mental health, I think it's surprising to many that the, our Texas legislature doesn't give any mental health funding directly to school districts. So for our school districts to do things like train their teachers um, and their coaches and even bus drivers on what are some of the warning signs that a student might be in crisis or how to really put in some preventative bullying prevention practices that are more than just if you see someone's bullying, report them. But what can we do to really help kids not even engage in bullying behavior? How can we make our whole school be more of what um, is recommended as being trauma-informed? We know a lot of our kids, our families, heck, even our teachers have really faced a lot of traumatic experiences in recent years. So what can a school do to help address that? These are kinds of things that schools um, are doing, um, but they're doing it without funding from our state legislature. They've had to either rely on some of the federal grants that came down as part of the COVID relief that we know will go away, or they've had to look and piecemeal about looking for individual grants um, or trying to find some fundings here and there, but those are only short-term solutions to a problem that we really need sustained efforts in helping our schools be able to address the mental health of all of their students, in addition to helping kids that have a diagnosable disorder access services like those that are provided to teach at. All right. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a web. It's so hard to get through for a parent. Um, we have another caller who's uh, going to talk about that web a little bit. Emily, uh, what are your thoughts? Hi. One problem that I see in the mental health field is availability and specifically when it comes to the problems of finding a therapist who will accept insurance. Many of the therapists that I've been trying to get in contact with are saying that they are running into roadblocks with the insurance company of getting approved to provide services. And Alternatively, they're then saying, well, we can see the family member um, and we have availability, but you'll have to pay out of pocket. So my question is, what can our leadership do um, or government do to help bridge the gap for those kids who do have insurance and who families do want to get involved to help them have, you know, more fulfilling lives. Um, but they're, they're just struggling to find someone who can actually see them and they're not going to have to um, have a financial burden um, when they're already, when they already have insurance. All right, Josette does policy, but we're going to start with Dr. Williams because we've talked in the past about when you were in private practice, some of the difficulties for families accessing care. Um, what are your thoughts for Emily? So, yes, I do think the first thing is it's true. Um, insurance companies um, don't always fund uh, and cover services. There's actually a, a federal law, the Mental Health Parity Act, that was designed to, to solve this problem, but it's not been enforced. 
So certainly that is a problem that I do think a legislative uh, body needs to kind of weigh in and assist and maybe put some little bit of muscle behind this idea that insurance companies should not allow to take a pass in um, providing this coverage for the services. But the other end of it as well is around their reimbursement level. And for many providers um, themselves, it's not tenable for them to take an insurance rate that doesn't even help them keep their lights on. So it's both on the side of they're not doing it. And then even when they are, sometimes a provider might say no to it because it's not financially feasible for them either. So it's definitely a web. Yeah. Josette, uh, what does that look like policy-wise? Yeah, I think this is, comes to earlier when I mentioned that the legislature, the next step is that it, one, of the, one of the next steps that it needs to take is to not only invest in school districts directly for the prevention, but also to infuse funds into our community mental health centers that are throughout the state. So the, we um, there in Harris County, I'm sorry, not Harris County, Bear County um, is the Center for Healthcare Services. And so that is a place where families can go to, I think even if they have insurance, um, they can go and seek services. Um, what we're, and, and also seek services, not just some maybe from an individual therapist, but more about that wraparound services that we heard about earlier that T-Chat is able to provide for, you know, a limited amount of time to families. And what we found is that this, this, these community centers that are mental health community centers that are throughout the state, they're suffering from the same um, challenges that we heard that, say, private therapists are. They are getting low reimbursement rates from insurers. Um, when they are reimbursed from our state for some other programs, it is not at a level that, you know, it really is able to meet the cost of providing services, they also are having trouble keeping, you know, their providers working directly for them. Um, these are hard jobs. Um, and if if our community mental health centers aren't given resources to help, you know, keep good people, you know, on their own payrolls to be able to provide services, um, families are going to continue struggling to, you know, get the services they need. Yeah. So... We'll talk a little bit more with uh, Rita Partawala after the break about these wraparound services you refer to um, that are accessible to many, many Texans and will be accessible to more Texas children. Um, That's after the break. If you have questions, call 833-TPR-TALK. That's 833-877-8255. Tweet us at TPR Source. TPR is part of the Mental Health Parity Collaborative, a group of newsrooms that are covering challenges and solutions to accessing mental health care in the U.S. The partners on this project include the Carter Center, the Center for Public Integrity, and newsrooms in Arizona, California, Georgia, Illinois, Pennsylvania, and Texas. Welcome back. You're listening to The Source. I'm Bonnie Petrie, in for David Martin Davies. Uh, well, Rena Partawala from UT Health uh, San Antonio is on the phone with us, and we're talking about T-Chat, which is the tele-mental health service that uh, is becoming accessible in more schools, and uh, UT Health San Antonio um, handles a big ch- chunk of uh, South Texas, right, Rena? Uh, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, we cover about 35 counties here in South Texas. 
and that's about 136 school districts in total. Um, we're currently partnered with 40 of those districts, and we're expanding basically to cover all the districts. As, as like you said, as many as are interested in being a part of this program. Right, and it's not something where we have to worry about insurance. Nope, no, it's completely free for all students. You know, one of the things that we also talked about earlier is wrapping care around these families. We also provide free supportive counseling for family members. And so um, not only are kids receiving medication, treatment, um, therapy, and counseling services, um, but family members can also receive that free supportive counseling. And that's a way to really help ensure that um, parents are getting their needs met so they can help their kids get their needs met for mental health. There are a lot of rural districts in your region. Um, Not all are taking advantage. Um, Do you know why that is? Um, You know, I think that it's more about just providing education about the program. I think as we expand, what I see is that most districts are very interested in um, T-Chat and the services we're providing. I I almost want to say that we haven't had almost any districts, maybe one district that has said, oh, we have enough services, we're okay. But every district that we reach out to is very interested in, in receiving these services. So I I think the rural districts, um, they're jumping on board just at the same rate as our urban districts. So I don't I don't see that, actually. Okay, great. Um, we have a caller at 833-TPR-TALK. Christopher is frustrated with the legislature, as is, I'm sure, Josette sometimes. So pay attention to uh, what Christopher has to say so we can sort out this problem. Christopher? Hey, guys. Thank you all so much for this conversation. As a, a parent... And as a pediatric therapist, it's near and dear to my heart. Uh, listening to the conversation, I, I, sorry, I did get frustrated because it constantly goes back to the legislature. Like, this is what we need them to do. We actually need them to fund it. And it feel like every step of the way, we'll take federal money but denounce it. We'll blame guns or we'll blame mental health instead of guns. And it's just, it goes back and forth all the time. So what I need to resolve my frustration is some sort of direction. What vote to cast, what person to call, how do we get our state legislator to actually care and fund this? All right, so Josette Saxton is Director of Mental Health Policy at Texans Care for Children. Um, You've been tweeting a lot about funding lately, Josette, on Twitter, obviously. Where else are you going to tweet? So so tell me, is there anything parents could do to help you advocate for kids in this way with the legislature? Yeah, I I think it always starts with contacting um, your own representative, your own state senator. Um, And doing it even now, before we are in, you know, the throes of the legislative session and letting them know that this is a priority for you, that they need to make investments in children's mental health. And I think, in general, I will say the legislature has made investments, but what I think with the frustration really comes from, they just do it in bits and pieces, and unfortunately, it's often following a crisis, and this Children's mental health, as was referenced earlier, there's a lot of factors that go into it, and it's not a one-size-fits-all type of treatment or service. The legislature needs to fund children's mental health services across the board. So, yes, we need funding so that T-Chat can reach all the schools that, you know, want to receive their services. But what happens then when T-Chat 
you know, um, isn't able to serve a family anymore because it is meant to be a short-term service, sort of like a stopgap, to then refer services to refer families who need additional services into the community. Um, so, what's happening there? If we're we're doing a better job, I think, in recognizing um, that mental health concerns among kids are common, um, and more families, schools are you know are are able are seeking services, but we're not necessarily increasing access to services more broadly um, for all the kids that are coming in. So I think just to circle back, I think you call your representatives and your state senators now and you let them know. And I think you also let them know that it just can't be a one-time solution that's going to solve everything. They shouldn't be picking and choosing. They should be lifting all of the boats that are part of preventing, uh, intervening, and then also treating mental health concerns among kids and making sure that parents also are receiving some services and supports as well. Dr. Williams, um, TCHAT has been around for a while, but uh, it's taken a while to build because of money. Um, now we have this infusion of ARPA funds, but it won't last forever. So how do we continue to fund programs like these, as Josette was talking about? I think she's absolutely correct that it is a, a grassroots re representation, and I would actually take it one step further. I think a, some of this, not all of it, to Christopher's point, is around just not a lack of awareness of mental health issues and also stigma around mental health. Fifty years ago, we all used to whisper the word cancer, and nobody would talk about it. But now we talk about cancer, and we talk about it in a way that is freeing us from stigma. And we get to that point, and we really say to our representative elected officials, this is a concern for us. This is something we, we want our state to be working on, and we're not afraid to talk about it. It makes them more able to do it, and then we kind of move the ball down the road. TCHAT is, again, as you said, it's across the state, 12 different institutions institute it. Um, we started in the middle of a pandemic, which was its own challenge, but we, I think we managed to make a lot of successes there. But as many people said, it's only one piece of the larger puzzle. We don't want to have everything be about TCHAT. We want to talk about those um, intervention streams that Josette was talking about. And where TCHAT's role is, we absolutely want to play it to our fullest extent. But that doesn't mean that we need to ignore the other elements that are needed to really make sure that children's uh, mental health is attended to in families. As a child psychiatrist, I, I'd like to say, actually, I feel like I'm mislabeled. I'm really a family physician because my goal to help a child does include having to figure out how to help the other people in that person's life so that everybody um, can feel better and they can support their child. So there is that idea that you got to do more in child mental health than just talk to the child. So I talked to um, Council Member Havreda at the beginning of the show about what we do when the American Rescue Plan money runs out. Uh, I asked you the same thing, Dr. Williams. Well, I think that's one of the things that the, the legislature is asking us now is like, what additional amounts of monies do you think you're going to really need to sustain this program? Um, you know, so what opera monies did we take down? How is that complementing what you currently are doing and what will you project it out? So when we go into our next uh, cycle of funding, which we're actually doing this fall, that's part of our goal is we're going to go back and say, this is what we think we will need from a funding perspective to be able to be in all the school districts that, um, say they would like to have the service by next year and that we know that the ARPA funding is going away. So here is the make even that we're going to need from state funds in order to sustain that. So we're doing that conversation right now. Okay. We have uh, Robert on the line with, uh, with some observations. Robert? 
Yes, thank you very much. I wanted to just take a, a moment to uh, commend the state legislature for over the last two bienniums, providing over uh, probably about $1.4 billion to to uh, construct state hospitals in all the major cities, Houston, San Antonio, Austin, and Dallas. And I see that as alleviating pressures in jails so that the you know certain uh, people that are incarcerated can now wind up getting the right care in hospitals. It'll also alleviate pressures on hospitals, which get a lot of mental cases over the weekends and you know, just in, you know with those visits. Uh, you're, you had a previous caller that was an EMT that spoke very eloquently about just the maze of what faces families when they have a family member that has that you know is, is afflicted with a mental health issue. It's it's so. It is so, so stressful. Um, I also wanted to commend local law enforcement. We've had, unfortunately, had had to call law enforcement a few times with a family member, and they have been very professional and very understanding uh, in, 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 in dealing with, with our incidents. So I really want to commend them. Finally, research. We really need a lot of research in this, uh, you know, the treatments. But, I, you know, we need to go upstream uh, and get, get some more more more. Um, uh, classes of medicines that are identified uh, that that really just treat uh, have a better effect and better results on some of these uh, patients. Those are my comments. Thanks, Robert. Um, you know, with all this conversation about mental health, it makes me wonder if we're um, reaching a place where we might be really reducing stigma and may really reach uh, parity, uh, mental health parity with physical ailments where they're treated the same. Dr. Williams, do you think we're close to that? Well, I, I, I tend to try to be a positive person um, for lots of good reasons for my health and otherwise, but I'm not sure that I would say we're completely that close, but I do think we're way better than we were. And I think that has a lot to do with people like Christopher, like Robert, like Jane, because they are speaking up, they're talking about it. And the more we make it something that's okay to talk about, um, one of our biggest campaigns, particularly around suicide, it's, it's okay to say. Um, so the more that we talk about it, our legislature is hearing to Robert's point. They have been investing in mental health in a number of different ways and touching the system in a number of different places. And that is due to advocacy um, of people like the callers today. So I think that people need to continue that advocacy and continue to bring ideas to the table. One of the things that I'd like to see um, us do in the state, and I think we're doing a really good job, I want to continue it, is we're actually collaborating with each other across the different types of services. So we're not double dipping ourselves. We're not missing where's the hole. That's the other piece is looking at the entire puzzle and not just the pieces of the puzzle. Well, thank you so much, all of you. This has been a great show. There's so many more questions I could ask. Um, we could do this for hours and hours, but that's all the time we have, folks. So thank you so much, Dr. Laurel Williams uh, at uh, Baylor College of Medicine, Texas Children's, and TCHAT, Rena Pardawala, who is the clinical director of TCHAT for UT Health San Antonio, and Josette Saxton, director of mental health policy at Texans Care for Children, and city council member Melissa Cabello Haverda, who talked to us about the $26 million that are coming into San Antonio to help alleviate some of the mental health issues uh, mostly our kids are experiencing post-pandemic. So thank you so much for joining us today on The Source.
This has been The Source on Texas Public Radio. The Source is hosted by David Martin Davies, produced by Dallas Williams and Megan Halbadir moore with production assistance provided by Mark Hutchison. Dan Katz is TPR's news director. Support for The Source comes from contributors to the Community Engagement Fund, including the Gladys and Ralph Lazarus Foundation.